Hey, good Wednesday afternoon from the heart of Freight Alley, my friends. What's going on, my brother? Hey, we already got uh, we got some stuff in. So we've, oh, yeah, we've cool. been telling you guys to send the ornaments in, and they're they're showing up. USPS not that slow, right? They're getting them. They're getting them delivered. Not for us. Say no, no, no. They thank you to Loves. This just showed up. Beautiful oh, little Loves. Uh, Take it here. You are getting sleepy. <laughs> so pull over and get a coffee at Loves. We also got the Kingsgate hat. If you notice, we've been throwing hats on here, stickers. Any ornaments you guys send, this yeah. is a freight community tree. Send it our way. DM me or email me, tduner at freightwaves.com. That's D-O-O-N-E-R, or look me up on the LinkedIn or Twitter. We'll give you the address. You only have till December 17th, dude. That's when a very what the truck Christmas is. Get them in here. You're going to want to be on there. There's a lot of yeah. logos on there already. This is like our give back to community. Send us yeah. the ornaments. We'll put them on there. It's going to be And we've lit. got a tree cam. It's going to go around and show all the ornaments and show them off to everybody and everything like that, right? You don't have to just look over to one. Yeah. You don't. Right. You don't. And we're gonna have tree cam, and it's gonna be great. We're gonna have snow machines. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. You guys remember? So there was this amazing viral pic that I saw a bunch of you have been sharing it out on LinkedIn. Yeah. I saw a bunch of people share it on Twitter. It was this one container ship with a surfer in the foreground, right? Yeah. And it's showing kind of how Southern California is right now. Right. Well, right. We right, have right. that photographer Nick Souza. He's coming on the show today, and he has such an awesome portfolio of pictures uh, of container ships and airplanes and. Um, uh, and he's going to teach us his art. He's going to show us his art. He's going to walk us through his pictures, how it's all done. And also, he's selling some of these prints. So we've been trying to highlight some gifts you can give to the freight lover in your family during the month of December and leading right up on. to a very What the Truck Christmas. And these ones you're not going to want to miss. No, they're very, very cool. As we were discussing, man, back in the day when we were outfitting our new uh, offices, we'd have yeah. loaded up on these things if they'd have been around. Yeah, they're fantastic. i got to get some for the new house. i got some blank wall space. I've already seen a few of his. So I'm looking forward to those details as well. You get your Christmas shopping done. We try to scare everyone to get it do done it. early. Do it, do it, do it. I've got mine done. Yeah. I mean, all the main ones, right? The ancillary stuff, right? The little stocking stuffers. Oh, that'd be cool to put in there or whatever. You know, yeah. Those things. Still got to do that stuff. But, well, we got a yeah. big show today. We're going to get into the data and analytics behind detention and demurrage. We have some stories about that as well. We're going to find out what's good in the supply chain. Again, it's December. It's the month of giving. So Grace Sharkey's going to help us with that. She's also going to tell us about some of the new projects that she's involved in. And, of course, Nick Souza, as we mentioned. But before we get to the news, let's tip the band. Let's do it. Deadheads are bad for any carrier's business, but Convoy's got you covered. Their app makes it easy to find round-trip loads on your favorite lane that reduce empty miles and get your drivers back home. Sign up in a minute and book your next load with Convoy. That's right. Visit convoy.com forward slash WTT or download the Convoy. Convoy app on Google Play or the App Store to get started. Let's go to the headlines. Let's, Let's go. go to the headlines. There. All right. Magic wand. I have to have um, Grace cast a new spell on this thing. Oh, is that, is that exactly. how you recharge it? Is that Potter how you recharge woman. it? That's how you recharge okay. it. Okay, okay. By the way, that Harry Potter store in New York, we were planning on, on our way driving up to Boston this year because yeah. we're driving back again. Yeah, yeah. We were going to stop by that Harry Potter store. Okay. My kids, like, Kids are funny. You kind of have to ride the wave and momentum of what sure, they're into. Sure, sure. And they haven't, like, they've, they've cooled down on Potter, and, but they're really, really big on Star Wars now. So Ooh, that's where, right. you know, budget's going towards. Right. But either way, Ocean Shipping Lobby has been grilled on carrier profits, right? John Gallagher reports, after hearing testimony from fellow witnesses on how jammed supply chains are and the exorbitant shipping charges that are hammering their business, World Shipping Council President and CEO John Butler was asked how some of his ocean carrier members can justify the best financial quarter in decades. Let me pause for a second here. How do they sleep? I have a lot of opinions on these things. <laughs> How do they sleep at night? I don't, that, that sentence, I have kind of a problem. I mean, they're a company, right? <laughs> How do they justify their profits? I think that they do it by, by making their shareholders happy. But Butler says, though, the price situation right now is entirely unfamiliar to us. For the last 20 years, the ocean shipping business has been lucky to make its cost of capital. And what we're facing today is completely unprecedented. Yeah, what are you whining about? We lost money for a decade, yeah, man. Two decades. Give us a break. Yeah. Bro. <laughs> Let us make money, he says. <laughs> right. However, as Butler has asserted, all during the uh, supply chain crisis, the disruptions were purely a result of the supply and demand in the market. In addition, much of the headline rates, the container rates, many rates that you've seen from a year ago that grabbed the headlines, are in the spot market, right? The pricing yeah. under long-term service contracts between the carriers and their customers has really not gone up that much, right? It's all out there. Uh, and the rates obtained today are moved to the contract next year. 
Okay, but, but, but my problem sometimes no, is when we... You didn't buy that? Why do we have such dishonest conversations when people are talking? <laughs> because so much freight has been rolled out of the contract market, the spot market, and this guy knows that. I know he's there to represent the major characters, but he knows that. If it was just headline porn, which he's kind of like, you know, insinuating that yeah. it is, where are these record $5 billion a day profit coming from? I get Asian spot <laughs> rates emailed to me every week. They're actually yeah. up this week. Houston it was yeah. $19,500. L.A. was 11200 And that's yeah. what most people are paying, not that's those right. contract rates. Let's be honest no, here. No. He also says the other, the other piece with respect to pricing, the ocean carriers operating ships are not the only actors in the market. There are far more metalmen. Uh, NVOCCs, for example, they buy space from our members yeah, and resell fault. it. So fault. that part of the market has also driven some of the price increases. Okay. Okay, but th these NVOCCs have been there for that same 20 years, right? Yes. Okay, so... <laughs> I mean, no, they're a new, new phenomenon just this, this year. Not, <laughs> they are buying the freight from, for 19.5 from you for Houston, and they're selling it for 22 Five. That's right. But they got to pay the 19.5 first. Their margins are not changing that much. They're up a little bit. I think, or aren't they up like 12% or something? Yeah, 12%, something like that. But yeah, the intermediaries are not the ones kicking butt right now. Yeah, a little silly. <laughs> a, little, a little dishonest statement there. The hearing was held at the Senate Ready Companion Legislation to the Ocean Shipping Reform Act, which has 80 co-sponsors in the House. The bill expands the power of the FMC to impose minimum service standards on carriers and prohibits carriers from imposing unreasonable demerge and detention fees, among other things. Butler says it'll only make things work. But of course he would. Of course it would. Why would we? Of course yeah, he no, would. you don't want to limit that type of stuff. <laughs> Look, I understand the purpose of detention and demerge is to keep containers moving and flowing, right? I, 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 I'm with you 100%, and I hope you're going where I think you're going. I'm saying that I don't think you need to get rid of detention and demerge, but I do think you need to get it in situations where people literally cannot get their freight, when they are in unmarked zones, when they're in closed zones, when they're blocked Amen. off due to Preach congestion. It. Preach it's it. It's to go after actors who are using the port as warehouse space, but that you not being able to remove your freight, you not yep. being able to use the freight you imported here that's already delayed, that to me does not qualify. No, it does not qualify. It is when I have actual control over that container, that's the purpose of demurrage and detention, right? Right. It's been bastardized. If that's really what it's It's for. not right. Yeah. I think that in freight, we need to have more honest conversations. And we're, yeah, you know, we're hearing it from a lot. People are saying, they tell one side of the story, and they, they ignore, right? They just act ignorant to this other huge aspect of it, and it's really frustrating to see sometimes. I, I am with you 100%. It's the evil under, underbelly of our, of our uh, situation here. Cargo theft. Headline two, cargo theft is up as thieves take advantage of increased traffic and idle shipments. Now, we, uh, Beetle Bailey, Trucker Beetle Bailey, he sent me some pictures of some rail theft, right? He sent us that video. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. Um, we also yeah. had a thing in L.A. And then, th then on that Monday, the L.A. Times, uh, or the Los Angeles Times, I believe it was, they wrote that story about how rail cars had been broken into. Well, Noy Mahoney has a story now, and it says, record container backlogs at U.S. ports and overstressed supply chain are creating conditions ripe for cargo theft. Uh, Ron Green, Vice President of Business Development and Overhaul, he told Freightways that the backlog across all logistics infrastructure is causing containers and shipments to sit idle, idle, not just in ports, but outside ports, increasing opportunities for them to be targeted by criminals. Yeah, and cargo that finally makes its way out of the backlog ports is being aggressively targeted by criminals eyeing containers filled with everything from home appliance and electric goods, apparel, all the stuff that's in there. Union Pacific recently reported a rash of cargo container break-ins as shipments were being transported out of the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach through downtown L.A. You remember those pictures of just of all the empty boxes along that part? There was a ton of debris. Yeah, just unbelievable. Like it's, it's like People went to a Best Buy and just tore through yeah. it, right? Unbelievable stuff. J.J. Coughlin, owner of Corporate Security, Solutions of Texas said, there's an old saying, my friend, freight at rest is freight at risk. Is that? I haven't heard that saying before. I never have heard that before, but hey, I've always thought that uh, and said that if you think you don't have a theft problem, you've got a big one. Grace is nodding her head in the green room. <laughs> I think she's heard that saying before. That's a very, maybe that's okay. a popular one of hers. Well, well in Detroit, they're crazy <laughs> up there. Well, Coughlin, he also, especially right now at places like the Port of Los Angeles, the trains come to port and they take the containers off the ship and put them on the train. Then those containers are sitting for days on end and not moving, creating those opportunities. Coughlin, he recently worked a case with an electronics company that had about a million dollars in theft from logistics facilities around the port of L.A. According to Keith Lewis, CargoNet's vice president of operations, cargo theft skyrocketed 
during 2020 amid the pandemic, much less eyeballs watching things, right? Yeah. And cargo theft is considered a property crime. So it's one of those hard things to enforce because not only it crosses state lines, but it's also considered a property crime instead of a criminal act. So the uh, penalties are not really that what? severe. Really? I thought it would yeah. be much, much worse because it's interstate and international so theft, right? I would think, I would think Interpol's so knocking on your door for, you know, infringement. And you're, you're talking about <laughs> stuff that just came in through U.S. Customs. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I thought it would be much more severe. I would think so. Maybe we need some huh. reform there. Interesting. Either way, let's talk to Grace Sharkey. She's going to be in a good mood because her Lions won their first game. Yeah. On Sunday. How you doing, Grace? Or was that Thanksgiving? That was Thanksgiving when they won, wasn't it? Uh, no, it wasn't. No, it's Thanksgiving. Past lost years on Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm a, yeah. I'm actually a Vikings fan, so yeah. Oh, no, not, not so happy about that win then, huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, because you were looking to get to 500. That didn't happen. Oh, well. well no, not at all. <laughs> Grace, who is that behind you? Who's that on the wall behind you? Who's with uh, Who's the receiver with his arms out? Uh, it is, oh, my God, I can't even read today. Oh, oh, over here. Uh, yeah. That's Burberidge. Okay. Sorry, that's Burberidge. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Michigan yeah. Yeah. Sparty. I was going to say that's a go Sparty, Sparty picture. Yeah. How, and go Sparty. Yeah. How about Go Puff? Tell us a little bit about. We want to highlight some good that's going on. So tell us what Go Puff has been doing to support runaway and homeless youth. Yeah. So they recently just gave a really great donation to Covenant House, which uh, is a really interesting organization. We actually have one here in uh, near me in Lansing, where they take in uh, homeless youth and runaway youth, uh, which is. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate until you actually like volunteer there. You, you might think, like, might not think it's a completely booked up facility, but it is. And so, um, it's it's an interesting uh, donation. They're actually giving um, ten thousand dollars in credits to uh, GoPuff. So um, these facilities can order from the GoPuff site, um, get facilities delivered directly to their different houses throughout the United States. I think there's um, eight or so that they've officially gave to. And yeah, it's a, it's an interesting way to give back and to clearly like promote what your your actual product is doing. Uh, GoPuff has been actually really great with me the last couple of weeks. They've been keeping in touch with me with a lot of different things that they're working on. So hopefully we'll have some more information from them, but really love what they're doing and really interested in their micro fulfillment, how they're going to work in the long run too. You know, Grace, you say it's an interesting way to, to give back and do this thing, but it makes perfect sense for GoPuff, right? Because they've been struggling with excess inventory and what to do with it in, in certain cases because yeah. of their experience extensive growth that they're having, right? Their efficiencies are a little bit taxed. So why not turn those inefficiencies into a blessing for other people? I, I applaud it. It's awesome. Yeah. Grace, yeah, I have exactly. I, I have one for you too. I, I put this in the What the Truck newsletter yesterday. If you guys want to subscribe for it, guys and girls and whomever, uh, freightwaves.com slash WTT comes out Tuesday, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Well, my buddy from Zim, Oswaldo Gutierrez, he shared this. Throw these pictures up here of what Zim was doing with Horizon, these uh, containers. Yeah, these are great. Yeah. So Zim teamed up with Horizon over in Michigan, right out your way, and they just cycle through these. Uh, keep going. With the picks, thanks. Um, they so they they put 600 gifts together for foster kids in Michigan. Horizon and Zim they teamed up. They delivered all. You see all these bicycles and different things. They even got Penske wow. involved in this thing. I really love seeing the freight community come together and give back and and team up. And um, it's nice to see Grace. Well, and you know what's interesting is we all know those truck drivers, uh, especially those mom and pop type of trucking companies, where every once in a while a a pallet or two falls off a truck. And so it's it's really great to like see that this yeah. this stuff is going towards people that actually need it and not just going into you know different homes and things like that. So yeah, there's a lot of leftover goods and facilities and, and storage locations that oftentimes just gets thrown away when it's not picked up on time. Um, so I think what uh, Vincent said is perfect. Like make sure that we're giving this away to people that need it. Yeah, let's get let's get some let's get a coalition together, Grace. Let's 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 try to get people together and all those containers that are sitting in the ports that are gonna that are gonna be auctioned off or you know <laughs> or be abandoned. Let's figure out what's in those and get them people to use that stuff, right? Well, I'll put it out here too. If you guys you want some you want some earned media, you want to end up in the newsletter or on what the truck or uh, Grace covers a lot of this stuff too. Let us know. You know, put that output out there. Let us let us know that you're doing yeah. these kind yeah, of things. Heck yeah. I, if you're doing something for charity, we will always have you on this show. Um, to to highlight to highlight that and shine a light on it. We love this industry doing positive stuff, especially this time of year. 
Speaking of uh, positive stuff, what about this DHL supply chain partnership with Emerge? They have spot market offering. You put that article out yesterday. What are, they, what are those two teaming up to do? Well, you know what's really interesting about that is DHL is telling me that they actually, um, prior to the pandemic, right, were looking for a way to take advantage more of the spot market. And then all of a sudden, you know, this hit, spot uh, market rates are all over the place. And, um, you know, it's it perfect timing for them to, to find Emerge. And he told me they talked to hundreds of different marketplaces names that you've definitely heard of that I've wrote about and Emerge was the, the perfect one for them and honestly it makes sense I mean we they've got such a great team of of, ex, of experts um in freight even you know unfortunately now they have George right and it's uh unfortunately for them they have George and it, I I completely agree and loved talking with DHL because you could tell that they really uh grew with Emerge and figured out how to make this offering for their customers and what's even great is you know this market even though it feels like it right now it's not going to always be this way and that's the best part about having a spot market offering for customers is so that sometime when it does flip then you can start to hedge and figure out exactly how to use the spot market in a way um, to to make more and, and take advantage of different lanes throughout the year. So um, they're really excited. Both teams are on the call with me and had great things to say. And Emerge was incredibly grateful to, to be a part of it. And um, just overall, really great partnership and excited to see how those two grow. Yeah, it really is exciting. And you're, and you're right. Getting back to the strategic use of the spot market and contract market as a shipper is going to be a thing again, right? <laughs> because yes. most people most, exactly. most people outside that don't understand that you don't contract everything. You need to be able to flux and hedge. And there's all those uh, what you call uh, you know non-traditional routes or, or, or out-of-route type of shipments that happen that are non-traditional routes for your company that you just can't contract. And you have to be able to use this type of strategic thinking. And right now, all that is under pressure. So, yeah. Yeah, I applaud him. It's, 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 it's excellent. Hey, you know, I want to applaud you, Grace. You went from um, being a co-host on Transmission to recently taking over the Point of Sale podcast and newsletter. Tell us a little bit about that and what you're going to be bringing to uh, to that product for people who are familiar with that program for people who are familiar with it. Yeah, so I have been uh, gracious enough for for Freightways to take me let me take over a Point of Sale for Andrew Cox and. Um, I, I really love it because you know, I was telling Vincent on Freightways now, like I write about a lot of the behind the scene things that get the, the goods that you order online to your doorstep. A lot of the, you know, uh, screws and, and bolts that you might not understand makes a huge difference on, on the pricing of your products and, and how they're getting to you in that two-hour window that people are promising. So uh, what I'm really excited about is I want to try to like break that down for our audience. And whenever I write about technology, I really want to try to, I try to write it from the point of like explaining it to like my 10-year-old niece, right? Like how could I help someone understand the value of this company and, and how it's going to um, make us a, a retailer supply chain stronger? So a couple of guests I have over the next couple of week, weeks as well are a lot of um, different programs and, and uh, yard scheduling and different type of companies that aren't, you know, as close to the end consumer as, as you might expect, but help get those goods in the standard time that you're hoping that they come to you. So, um, yeah, that's I'm really excited because it gives me an opportunity to to produce my own content and 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 learn from you, Dooner, and learn from learn from the others who have these live shows and and figure out the best way to communicate um, the things I love about this uh, this industry and, and freight waves to to our audience. Well, best of all, you can, you can listen to that on audio. You can look at Point of Sale wherever you get your podcast. You can mm -hmm. look at Freightcasting at every single Freightwaves podcast all in one feed. But if they want to watch this particular show, when does it air? Uh, Wednesdays at 2.30. And actually, uh, today we actually have a webinar. So at 2 o'clock, uh, from 2 to 3, I'm going to be on with my sponsors, ArcBest, and their chief customer officer. So everyone, go ahead and register for that now. But in the future, we'll still have uh, that 2.30 slot where you guys can check me out and, and see our guests. And uh, we'll actually have ArcBest on in a couple weeks as well, too. So, uh, yeah, that's where you guys can find me. Uh, find me on, uh, on LinkedIn as well. Let me know if there's anything you find interesting that the show should touch on because really I want to hear from our audience and see maybe areas that we've missed in content that they want us to dive into a little bit more.
Well, you could ask us, or we could ask the wheels. So we're going to bring the wheel of stupid questions oh, yeah, yeah, right now. No, we we're going to spin that. this thing and, and see what you land on, Grace. Whatever it may be, you got to you got to give it your all. This isn't um, <laughs> this isn't like uh, what truth or dare. You you have to answer. No, you have to answer. Or should it. we make it like truth or dare? Oh, yes, we should. We should. Oh, right, oh, yeah, look, we'll look at to, her. Okay. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Well, you're going with stupid question. What does this thing say? It says, "How would you trap Santa Claus?" Uh. <laughs> an abundance of cookies everyone just puts like two out but just like put like 40 out and then he'll just he'll be too tired and it'll be too big to go back up the chimney maybe block off the chimney too but no the cookie the cookies usually put me out so i, I get where she's coming from so you know they were talking about on mm. halloween you had to look out for all the edibles that were going to be you know you're going to get with trick-or-treating but she's just going to put them out for santa claus yeah, that's right he'll she's putting out, out those right cookies the so that is immediately yes. what i was thinking you'd have a party with the yes. elves and everything with those oh, cookies beautiful stuff. Hey, <laughs> hey grace it's been a great year working with you if we don't see i think we'll see your holiday message on a very what the truck christmas next friday but other than that you have a happy new year and a merry christmas you too thanks you guys peace and love easy. grace hey let's talk to a new guest over here it's mason george he's present over at IMC, and I know that they um, they sent over an ornament too. I don't know if it's arrived yet. They sent me a picture of the ornament, so I have a picture. Oh, it's not um, here yet. Okay. If it doesn't arrive by the time of the show, I'll just print the picture we'll out. Get and, and staple we that. will get it but up. But I think it is on its way. Mason, thanks for joining us today. Hey, fellas, how you doing? Where are you uh, sitting at? What uh, what state are you guys over at? We're in Memphis, Tennessee. Here, to, here all day, every day. Beautiful, beautiful. Awesome, man. Well, you know, we started getting in touch because I think on LinkedIn you saw that we were doing a lot of port trucking coverage and we were talking a lot about detention and demerge. Yeah. In fact, our lead story today was about the World Shipping Council getting grilled about detention and demerge. Uh, Jennifer over with you, she sent me some really interesting stats about what has been going on, the dramatic increase in detention and demerge. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? What have we been seeing there? Oh, wow. It's, it's, uh, I would tell you it's absolutely out of control. There's too much just congestion in the port of Long Beach and LA and all over, not just in that area too. I mean, if you look at places inland also like Chicago, uh, Memphis, even Kansas city and Dallas are just getting, um, drilled with how many containers are going through the system right now. And the system's just not designed to handle it. So about these detention, uh, the, the increases in the, in the costs that are being assessed and who they're being assessed to, what's your feelings and thoughts about that type of stuff there? We obviously have our thoughts there that, you know, if you don't have a control over it, how it is actually your fault. But they're also there because the containers have to keep moving for the carriers. Okay, right? but let me give you some numbers, too. Just so 2019 okay, was a 22.1% increase over 2018. Not not huge. Yeah, pretty big true. though. Uh, twenty twenty though was five hundred and forty nine point nine percent increase over twenty nineteen. Twenty twenty one increase of four hundred fifty six point six percent over twenty twenty. So already you had that huge elevation in twenty nineteen, yes. and then you stacked another near five hundred percent on top of it. I Amazing. Agree. So I, you know, great points, and 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 we back those numbers up with how many boxes we've cleared that were on detention and demerge as well, but. Um, I think what we're seeing there, guys, is just the lack of infrastructure to be able to handle the number of containers coming in, right? So a lot of those numbers, you're paying detention and demurrage on containers that you can't even access, not because they're on customs hold or not because, um, you know, uh, the, the, the shipper is not assigning it to a carrier. These things are assigned, but in places like L.A. and Long Beach, they're actually enclosed areas and you can't get an appointment for them. And if you miss the appointment due to... Uh, a lack of, um, you know, getting through the terminal in a quick manner, as we've seen, you know, with your latest podcast, I think you guys said it was 131 minutes is your yeah. average yeah. dwell time inside the terminal. So if you have an appointment that you show up for an hour early, but it takes you two hours to get in and you still can't get that, you might not get another appointment on that container for seven more days. So it's absolutely crippling the industry. It's um, it's it's just taking over is what I would say. It is. So let's talk about some possible solutions yeah. here. There's one that has an interesting name called uh, Peel Piles. Let's talk about those a little bit there, right? Because some of the issue is yeah. the truck shines up and it's assigned to this container, but that container is underneath 700 other containers, right? And it's got the delays and stuff. Let's yeah. talk about Peel Piles. Yeah, Mason, can you define the concept first, too, before we get into it? It's a yeah. relatively new term maybe to a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, and I hate to get too granular here, but uh, what I would say is if you imagine a stack of containers – and our drivers go in and say, oh, you know, I've got five drivers in line. And um, the first guy that's in line says, hey, I'm here for this specific container that's three down. The terminal has to move two containers, three containers 
to make that container available to load the chassis. And then what happens is, is they stick those other two or three moves that are really unproductive lifts in another area only to really be shuffled again, right? Because the guy behind that driver will say, hey, I actually wanted the one that was second down that you've already moved. So I'm going to come grab that sucker. And Peel Piles is designed to attack that by saying, look, here's a whole stack of containers that are um, within, you know, our what, what, what we're sending our trucks to go get. And what they'll do is they'll grab the one on top every time. And instead of doing uh, a dispatch from, you know, two hours ahead of time, we're, we're doing something more of a dynamic dispatch where our guys are actually assigning themselves two loads as they are loaded based on what the terminal gives them. Right. So you have a whole stack of containers and instead of digging anything, you just grab the top one out and the guy gets out a lot quicker. Now, could this be problematic or uh, could you get some blowback on this with shippers who are like, well, I don't want any random trucker pulling my container. You know, I, we want who we dispatch or a preferred carrier. I could see those kind of issues arising. How do you get around that or how do you get people warmed up to the idea? Oh, yeah. Uh, never heard of any blowback in the supply chain. Uh, right. But <laughs> what I would say is right now in the environment that we're in today, our shippers don't care who delivers what, when, right? Just as long as it gets there within an acceptable time frame. So, um, you know, I think historically you have a really great argument of, you know, I didn't vet this carrier or they're not safety rating appropriate, et cetera. We do all that ahead of time. So we try to knock out uh, making sure that all of our carriers are, are, you know, up to par per se with what, what we are. They're light carriers or friendly competition that we stick into our uh, peel piles. And then honestly, the shipper is just a static to get their container when they want it is, is, is what I'd say. Cause it cuts down on, I mean, you're talking about an average dwell time on an appointment container could be seven to eight days. And what we're seeing on a peel pile is we're able to get that stuff within, you know, one to three days. So it, it, the difference is just is, is, is huge. So if this were to expand across all, all service offerings, so the entire port of L.A. was like this, right? Yeah. They'd have to do some sort of grouping sortation off the vessel instead of the singular sortation afterwards, right? So there'd be the, the IMC pile and there might be somebody else's pile or even regions of the country type of thing. Is that what you're talking about? Well, so we, we've done peel piles all over the country. I mean, we've mm -hmm. done them in L.A. mostly, but we've also done them in Savannah and Charlotte, Memphis, Chicago, Newark. Uh, and what we see is that this is actually the silver bullet solution for what we um, see the problems of today, right? I mean, you're you're cutting down driver dwell time, you're increasing lift capacity by eliminating all of the unproductive lifts. And to your point, you know, is there more segmentation from the vessel on the terminal? I think there is. Yeah, it's hard to argue not, but that upfront work saves you you know, just miles and miles of work on the other side by not having to reshuffle all these containers all the time, right? Yeah, no, and I wasn't arguing gets, I wasn't arguing against it. I was arguing for it, but I was just trying to understand the process. I agree with you 100% there. Right. No, but I, but you're, you're right, though. We do have to collect all of the eligible peel pile containers in one spot at the terminal. But, you know, the good thing is, is that the terminal knows all that stuff's going to be out within a reasonable amount of time, right? Mm -hmm. Anything that's scheduled for an appointment could sit there weeks I mean, literally weeks before yeah. you could get to it. So you mentioned you've gone hunting werewolves with this silver bullet in, in some of the ports like Los Angeles. Um, what, what kind of what results have you seen from how these have been used, how these have been utilized? Well, we, we know the marine terminals love it because, like I said, they're getting cargo out quicker, right? It's increasing their velocity with that, um, with, with this process. Our drivers absolutely love it because we're able to get them in and out of the terminal and there's no digs. You know, once they get through the line, it's basically smooth sailing from that point. Um, our customers also love it because uh, they're getting cargo a lot quicker than they had in, in, in recent years. And then I'll tell you, even our operating staff that works on this stuff pretty much 24 seven, they also prefer to do this. Not be, not just because the drivers love it, but, you know, imagine having a peel pile where you have 500 containers in one stack that you have to schedule 500 appointments for just picking up the containers and also 500 empty appointments to get containers back in. I mean, that just becomes unmanageable at some point. So at the end of this, it is truly that silver bullet that I think solves everybody's problem because everybody's problem is about the, is, is really the same. We want to get tar cargo off terminal 
and into the hands of our customers as quickly as possible. Well, Mason, yeah. thanks for Makes holding sense. Memphis down and, and telling us about this concept of peel piles. People who like what they heard, they're interested. They want to talk more with you about it. Where do I send them to? Oh, I would send them. I mean, uh, emails are great. Uh, you know, peel pile at imcc.com is a great one. Um, also hit our website or I'm on LinkedIn a lot. How about that? I think that's how we got connected together on this. So I uh, appreciate what you guys are doing and, and I'm happy to be here to talk about it. Take it easy, man. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Mason. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. You know something, dude? A lot of carriers love power-only loads. It what? saves them time. They just hook up and load and go. No messing around at the shipper's facility. And you know who's got lots of power-only freight? I don't. Who is it? It's Convoy. Their power-only oh. loads are available to all Convoy carriers. Check them out at convoy.com slash WTT and book a power-only load today. Unbelievable. Look at this. Look at this. Love's right what here. What is that? They sent us the ornament. What you got there? Let me see. Right it. here. Oh, yeah. With That's over 400 beautiful. locations nationwide. I'm not sure which, which one sent us this one, but they got over 400 of them. Love's Truck Care and Speedco Network are committed to providing a tire program to meet your needs. The Love's Retread Warranty combines quality and safety designed with your fleet's efficiency in mind. We cover the retread and casing for the full life of Absolutely. that retread. Absolutely. Learn more at loves.com. Go there immediately after the show. And do not send us an ornament from each and every location because we're going to need a bigger tree if we get 400 yeah. of those. <laughs> well, we can always get a bigger tree. I wouldn't mind it. Um, that's a big thing, though. I, I like that That I, I like that Loves is promoting this one out there, the retreads, because we did that, that yeah. show with Alcoa. Yeah. And they were telling us how difficult that tire market is and how popular retreads are becoming. Oh, because oh yeah, you can't get yeah, tires, yeah. that's what you can do. Oh, man. You know what? It's good for uh, efficiency and uh, sustainability and that kind of stuff. It certainly is. Just get don't put them on the steer. Don't put them on the steer tires. Hey, now there's an amazing photograph we talked about at the beginning of the show that many of you saw. It went, it went kind of viral on LinkedIn and, and on Twitter. I saw it a bunch of times. And it was yeah. this surfer in the foreground and this giant one container ship in the background. It's become a common scene. Yeah, show that one up real quick. It's been a common so cool. scene out in the Southern California area. Well, we have the man who took that photograph with us today, and he's got an amazing portfolio, and he's selling many of these prints. So let's bring him on the air. Nick Souza, he's the president at Nick Souza Photography. You do amazing work, Nick. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I am. Um, you know what's funny? So we were we were talking about some of the artwork before you came on, some of the yeah. artwork we had to get around freight waves of, of like trucks and airplanes and ships to put on the walls around here. And I personally have looked for some to get for myself and for other people. And I'll tell you what, before I found your stuff, there's not really that many photographers running around taking pictures or taking really nice pictures and, and really artistic pictures of container ships or supply chain related things. Yeah, that that's exactly uh, right because there's a whole community all over the world of ship uh, ship spotters that love shooting this stuff, but there's only a, a few of us around the world that work for port authorities, work for the lines, work for equipment manufacturers that um, you know do it for a living and have to produce the kind of work that's going to be appealing rather than just kind of like record shots of things. Yeah, no, I think it's very, very cool. I love the shots when you see those ones on the horizon where it looks like the ship is actually hovering in the air. You, ever, you, you see those things? Oh, sure. But I think it's the perspective that you're capturing in these things that really attracts me to this because you try and explain to somebody just the the, the beauty of these ships and the, the unbelievable size of it's some of these things. They don't get it, right? And I think that one with the surfer there really kind of displays that perspective. Show, and it shows just like it, it just shows that, that their, their sort of prominence in society over yeah. in Southern California, too. I believe that's where you're based out of. So you have a lot of inspiration right outside your window. How do you choose your subjects, though? How do you decide what's going to be a good shot or what's going to make a good photograph? Well, I, I work on assignment most of the time. Um, I, I work for the Port of Long Beach. I work for uh, the Port of Los Angeles and different port authorities around the country and most of the major shipping lines. But we're obviously going through unprecedented times with the congestion and all these ships offshore. And it's been happening for the past year. So that particular photo, I was um, on assignment for uh, the PMA and working on an annual report project that I do every year. And the one was going to be their cover. So I was kind of hunting around to see what I can do uh, for that. And I, I knew that they're right off the coast of Huntington Beach and there's surfers right there. So I was just kind of messing around to see what I could do with scale and perspective with that particular image. 
Well, you, you accidentally, yeah, I mean, you abso- not accidentally, sorry, you absolutely nailed it on that particular, uh, that particular one. So are, is it all contracted work to, for the subjects? Are you picking out the different subjects that are there and how do you go through that process? Um, usually I, I have specific assignments. Like, um, for example, I, I, this past summer I was on the East Coast a lot uh, working for CMA, CGM. They had some projects where they brought um, – twice basically they brought the world's largest ship to ever come to uh the east coast to new york and new jersey and then they had a project where they delivered a replica statue of liberty so i I was contracted to photograph and shoot video of all all those different projects for here in uh, the la area the ports contact me because there's a specific thing they needed done for example later this week there's a a call at uh, the Port of Long Beach at a terminal that's just been recently um, had its full um, development completed. So there's going to be a ship there that's working at a berth that's um, not really been used before. So it, I never, I never know. Sometimes it's people, sometimes it's vessels, sometimes it's trucks. It's uh, the the industry is is really diverse, which is one of the things I love. Nick, you have a ton of shots, so let's look at some of them. You can sort of tell us the story behind them. This one I love here. It's a seal sitting uh, sitting on a boat over here. When did you take this picture, and uh, what do you, what story are you trying to tell here? So that that was actually a, a happy accident. <laughs> that there, if you've ever been down on the water at the ports of L.A. and Long Beach, um, sea lions love to be on the bows of ships. They hang out in the stern. Kind of their thing is they they like to just chill <laughs> and. They're there a lot. And I was actually, this was another, um, it was a shoot where I was working on an annual report cover and it's at a terminal and I, I'm kind of looking for my angle for the cover. It needs to be a certain way. It needs to be vertical. It needs to leave space for type. So I'm thinking of all these things and it's, it's kind of a boring photo and I'm not really loving it. And then I see that this lone seal on this rudder. (laughs) And so I'm on a, on a boat with, with my buddy and basically we, you know, once we saw that, we kind of put ourselves in position to uh, just watch this for a while. And actually, other ones were hopping up and hopping. You can kind of see some in the back. There, there's a few more on there. So that was more of like a, you know, just discovered it moment, and then just kind of look for you know the right light, the right opportunities, and and make it happen. Which is that's kind of one of my favorite things to do. I, I'm always on the lookout for you know what I think might be an interesting or dynamic shot in in the middle of a of a normal assignment. You know, you know something, dude. Some some say that sailors, long time out at sea, they would be, yeah. they would think that those seals were mermaids. Oh, is that what it was? <laughs> true? Yeah, they, they, they kind of look like a mermaid. Bark, they bark <laughs> like <laughs> dogs. <so. laughs> they sort of do. Yeah, she's like she's got a nice voice. That mermaid. Um, let's take a look at another picture here. This one, I believe, is coming out of port. Throw this one up here. Yeah, throw that one up there with the mountains in the background. Beautiful shot. What are we looking at here? So um, this is an old photo, which um, that that ship at the time was quite large. And by today's standards, it's just nothing. I think that ship is probably not even seven, 8,000 TU. But this is the Port of Tacoma. And that's Mount Rainier, which uh, has snow on it year round. But it's really hard to get that thing visible. <laughs> so yeah. I actually waited around um, for a week to get to get this photo and just, you know, had to get lucky with the timing, get get a boat ready to get out there because it was going to look more impressive from the water. The um, you know, I do a lot of work from helicopters, but there's there's certain times when just the angle from the water really helps show the scale. I think there's a like a translation to the viewer too when you're looking at a picture because you can tell you're not just standing on the port you're not just like someone sure. with an iPhone. It took effort to get this shot. done. It took yeah we were going to ask you about that too sort of the yeah. setup that goes and I, that kind of looks like a Merck Triple E by the way I have a Lego set of one of those. Um, but <laughs> talking about the setup here because you're not filming in studio right you don't have the luxury of putting makeup on a on a model or a camel um, you have to go out there into <laughs> the wild and actually take these shots and rely on natural lighting and and boats or or drones. What, tell us a little bit about the setup. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's kind of one of the biggest challenges and one of my favorite parts is that it's it's more about finding solutions to how to you know actually capture what what you want to capture. And in this industry, there's just a tremendous amount of variables. Besides the you know the weather's the the biggest one. But now now that we're digital, that that kind of is isn't so much of a factor. You can. If you have to do something on a certain day, which often in this industry you do, 
that you you can get away with things you couldn't get away with, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. But um, it's just planning. And because I've done this for so long, I, I know I know the right questions to ask so I can get what I need to how to try to avoid, you know, potential pitfalls and, you know, control the things I can control and, and, you know, leave the other things that I can't control to just, you know, having to be adaptive to situations. Yeah. I was going to say, I I imagine that a lot of that stuff, because of your knowledge there, you gain a lot more um, accidental type of pictures that uh, someone like myself probably wouldn't because you know when the accidents may actually happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah, if that makes oh, sense. Oh, yeah, for sure. Here's yeah, a beautiful because I, I, I was going to say, we just have one more to throw up here, too. Let's take a look at that one. Uh, and continue what you're saying. I didn't oh, mean yeah. to interrupt. We just throw another pickup. No, no, no worries. I just saying, yeah, I mean, I because, because of experience, you know, I kind of know what to look for and and know what I want. And like that, th- this photo is a, a great example. I, you know, I was out. You know, this is another um instance of having, you know, congestion in Southern California that's been happening, you know, for a long time. Now, this was shot around this time last year. And the, this company is, is my client. And like I, I knew because I can look at uh, my AIS app on my phone, what is exactly where. And so I, I knew that if I went at a certain time of day, I, I could get these two ships, you know, lined up a certain way. So yeah, it's just, you know, planning and, and also being open to, you know, happy accidents. I might have, I've had plenty of those, <laughs> believe me. He uses kind of like logistics manager skills, vessel tracking, using the IS and the marine, the marine traffic, yeah, yeah. Like, like we do, and like the, the logistics exactly. manager. Exactly. He, he knew that these two vessels were yeah. going to be crossing in these particular directions. Now, he's that, getting that to me is amazing planning. That's he's, cool. he's getting all over the place, though, because we have another one here of you in New York with the Statue of Liberty. Let's take a look at this one. Tell us the story behind uh, Lady Liberty over here. Yeah, so this was one of the. I can't remember if that's the Brazil or the Marco Polo. I think it's the Brazil, and and I, and I don't remember the order either. But the CMA CGM brought the two largest ships to ever call the East Coast uh, to New York and New Jersey, and then then throughout the the Southeast, uh, Northeast also. And this was uh, kind of a special occasion. The, the, these ships don't go up this far towards Manhattan, but they they did it just as a kind of a symbolic gesture. So I, I knew from shooting other things in this area before that uh, trying to light, line up the statue with the vessel would, would be a cool shot. So I, I'm in a helicopter and we're, you know, I was doing all kinds of stuff and we just um, kind of circling around and I just, uh, you know, kind of knew the angle I wanted and put us at the right altitude in the right position and chose the right lens to be able to kind of compress everything and put it in the right spot. But, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's always fun when you have, uh, cool things like this to put, to put in the photos and, but both, uh, all those assignments in, in the East coast had uh, kind of a high media profile, which, which was fun. We were doing a lot of video and they were delivering stuff to the networks and it, you know, got a lot of LinkedIn exposure just because of what it was. And nothing, I don't think anyone knew with me just because everyone thought it was cool with the, with the line and all that. Yeah, well, that was a result of the, the Bayon, right, being lifted, that he could finally bring that Marco Polo through there. And now when you look at these photos, they're really impressive on the outside, these container ships, and they're massive. But if you ever yeah. get inside of them, they're massive, too. If you ever see these container stacks, how deep down that they go oh, yeah, within yeah, yeah. the vessel. It would did, shock you. Have you been able to get inside the ships and take any pictures while inside? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, it, it it's been a while because of uh, COVID restrictions. I've I've had a lot of assignments kind of change their scope because they um, aren't letting a lot of visitors on vessels. But uh, these these days, hopefully, it's going to change soon. But yeah, it's it's amazing the the engine rooms, the how deep in the holds those stacks go. They're they're exactly um, the same depth um, into the ship as they are on deck, and then. Uh, the amazing thing too is the number of crew. I mean, these things are are bigger than aircraft carriers, and they have like twenty crew members. Beautiful. And here's yeah. you got looming in the distance. It's coming into. Uh, it looks like it's coming towards a city or a port near you over here. Yeah, exactly. This is another one. I, I can't tell if that's a Brazil or the Marco Polo. They they were it was, it was the, the same idea. They kind they you know broke the records. And yeah, it's uh same idea. Go sail, sailing up towards Manhattan in the statue just to kind of uh, you know give everyone a good show of uh, you know. This is this is what a giant container ship looks like. And now, I mean, I'm I'm loving the fact I've been doing this for over 25 years. And I'm loving the fact now that 
everybody knows what a container ship is. Yeah, I bet be, you are. Because of what's happening. I bet you are. And they're, they're absolutely beautiful. Tell me, tell me about, uh, is, is there one that sticks out or, 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 uh, you know, an assignment that sticks out, uh, to you as one of your favorites? Um, yeah, you know, the, uh, I, I'd say, I'd say the, um, these largest calls, um, this past, uh, year with CMA CGM in New York were, were really fun and, and challenging because there was just, you know, it was all the elements we talked about timing had to come together. Perfect. There's, you know, tight deadlines, everything had to go well, right with the weather. We had a lot of planning and planned everything that we can plan, but uh, yeah, th- th- those, those were pretty special. When you were uh, taking that bridge shot, are you using drones for those? Are you in a helicopter? Are you in like a bungee, you're bungee jumping? You were way above <laughs> yeah, exactly. the road I, there. I, have you guys seen those, seen those parachutes with the motors on the background in the back? Yeah. That, that, I, I use one of those. Jetpack. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I, I'm in a helicopter for everything. Wow. I, uh, Can dro- you fly a helicopter? Are, are, are you a pilot or no, are you, you I, I use have, someone? I work, no, I work with some amazing pilots. That, and that's, that, that's the key. I mean, they, they're extremely experienced with flying with photographers or, or video crew. So they, they, they understand what it takes because it's different than if you're just, you know, flying back and forth to Catalina or, you know, you're a commercial pilot that, you know, ferries people around. So yeah, everything's from a helicopter yeah. for all kinds of reasons that the most, the most important one is, um, range and altitude drones are only allowed to go 400 feet that that picture you're looking at right now i think i probably shot that at about 900 feet wow so that's gotta uh, have a seriously good gimbal too right <laughs> I would imagine. Um, for for video yes but i my the cameras i use now actually have built-in stabilization so and, oh, okay. and that that come down to the comes down to the pilot too i mean it's uh it, if some pilots are or more stable than others it's the weather so you know wind so you, I, I, I try to factor that stuff in. Like you just sort of have to adjust things literally on the fly. If there's things you can't do if, if the wind is wrong. I guess a good example of uh, what the cameras can do now. That picture was shot at just a very, very slow shutter speed because of the technology the cameras have now. I couldn't have taken that picture even five years ago. Oh, it's beautiful. Wow. You're doing it like there's some um, the lighting in a lot of these is just amazing, especially really the uh, the sunset ones where you're really capturing the the contrast there. It it's it's beautiful stuff. What kind of a what kind of equipment are you using other than than the helicopter? And do things ever get heated in the helicopter? Are you ever like keep it steady, you fool? I could imagine getting a little <laughs> upset um, up there. You know, it's funny. It's um, not not heated because most of these guys that I fly with, I I know pretty well, but like. You know, I, I know I know when the pilot's struggling. Like when I when I ask him to do something, like I I can feel the helicopter. So sometimes it'll be like a, you know I'll, I'll tell them to do something. And they'll say like, oh, I'm getting there. Like I know when, when whenever you're ready. I, you know, it's not like you know if I miss it, I miss it. But uh, it it can get it can get stressful for sure when like those New York assignments that there was a lot going on at the same time. You know. I, Sometimes I'm shooting video and stills at the same time, and that that you know the pilot's the one in command all the time. I mean, I'm I'm telling them what I want, and they they want to make me happy. But yeah, they're the ones who are doing it. It's really amazing but, uh, work. Yeah. It's it's beautiful stuff, Nick. Can you can you tell us uh, how how do I go there and, and look at some prints and buy one? Yeah, how do our listeners too? A holiday season's coming there? up. These are perfect for the freight lovers' wall. Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be amazing. My my website is. Uh, www.nsusaphoto.com and everything that um, I would uh, be offering for prints is available there in my portfolio. Also uh, on Instagram at nsusaphoto. That's uh, there's some photos there that I post that aren't in my portfolio. Any one of those is for sale. And uh, yeah, I would I would love it if uh, if people would want to want to purchase some stuff for their walls, especially people in the industry that uh, that appreciate it. I mean, I try to appeal. To everybody with these photos, that's why I try to make them look a little bit more artistic. But obviously, people in the industry understand what what goes into it and how it all works. Nick, I guarantee you, you're going to sell some today. Oh yeah, Absolutely. I would think so. For for those of you who are, who are who are audio listeners of this, there's if you go scroll down the show notes, there's a link to his Instagram. You can see most of the photographs that we were talking about today you can order right from his instagram for you video viewers who got to see how beautiful these pictures were you can also go to that instagram and get them just click on that link in the show notes amazing stuff uh what's your next project oh do we lose them well thank you nick nick uh merry christmas 
Happy New Year. Good yeah, stuff absolutely. anyway. Peace and love, um, my friend. It's absolutely beautiful. He's got to be excited about how popular that stuff's becoming right now. It really right. is. And like we said uh, when we introduced him, it's not easy finding really, really nice city no, and really nice really isn't. Um, ship photography like that. And this guy really knocks it out of the park. Yes, if he you, does. Uh, if you have a loved one in the business or you want to drop some uh, some hints or some notes for the family, definitely let them know. Um, yep. All right, man. Is Nick there to say goodbye to him? Did he did he come back up? Guys, want to bring up Nick for a second? We'll, we'll wish him a Merry Christmas and say goodbye. There he is. Nick, sorry, we lost you for a second there. We just wanted to say goodbye to you, sir. Uh, take care. Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining us on the show. Okay. Well, we'll get back to him next time. Um, but anyways, <laughs> check it out. Good stuff. Picture says a thousand words. Uh, big deal, little deal, before we send you home. Big deal. Deal. That's not Nick Souza. That's a picture of Nick Souza. <laughs> All right, here's one for you. U.S. rejects calls. All right, big deal, little deal. U.S. rejects calls for regulating or banning killer robots. According to The Guardian, activists and a number of countries have called for an all-out ban on any weapons that could use lethal force without a human overseeing the process and making that final kill order. What do you think? Uh, uh, wow. There's so much to unpack in something like this, right? It's a big deal that we're having this conversation. And when you start thinking about the fact that uh, they've been around for quite a while, right? When you start thinking about this stuff, this doesn't happen to be a, ro- a robot that's running around. You know, we've got robotic machine guns on ships and all the other kind of stuff, right? For protection. Uh, I mean, I've interviewed a few founders of, of robotic startups and I, I, you know, I asked them like, oh, how do you go about getting funded? Yeah. And they're like, yeah. you can go out for venture, but a lot of times it's, uh, it's defense departments it's are R&D money yeah. that is paid for you to develop these things. And I was like, well, if the defense department's paying you, are they, are they expecting you to make them like killer weapons? And they're like, well, they're, they're, they're is an application, yeah. That they're, yeah, that they're it is, for. yeah. And that's that's a difficult decision that somebody is doing. There's a big deal right there, just making that decision. I'm producing something that could be weaponized, and I know it. We're so screwed. I, we are totally screwed. We're totally screwed. Let's talk about something else. Yeah. <laughs> big deal, little deal, man. Right. A new TikTok by user Bacon Texas. Bacon Texas, I Ooh. love that. Bacon Texas. Everything's bigger in bacon, uh, Texas. <laughs> Shows a little girl getting her big rig training, uh, getting her big rig training in it as she practices some hauling, man. Can we? I think we've got a video of this. Can we take a look at this? Check this out. What does she get? She got like a power wheel there? She's got like a mini power wheel yeah. truck, pickup yeah. truck going on. She's pulling like a miniature sized trailer. And I think I see an animal in there. I think that may be. It looks her, like a dog or dog. something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it's a big deal. I love you know, it. It's a cattle trailer, apparently, Frazier with the S says in my ear. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Frazier. Um, I think it's really cool. We talked to, like, we had that 11 year old on uh, Charles Gracie the Third on yeah. What the Truck a couple days ago. And we were talking about how important it is to get the youth interested in this field. You talk about exactly driver's right. you talk about retention. Well, you got to get youth into it if you want to solve those things. You want to bring the age down younger, and you got to make it seem cool. So anytime you see something, it's not just the girl doing it and her dad. The cool part is that then it's shared, right? This video has done really well on TikTok. Then it's shared, and another kid sees it, and another kid sees it, and, yeah. and it spreads like this positive I have virus. a feeling your kids would see that and say, how did she get a truck that makes that kind of noise? Yeah. That thing was barking pretty good, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is more of a what the truck am I looking at here, but uh, big deal, little deal. Let's play this video. Look at this truck. This so is crazy, he's getting man. squeezed on. He veers over to the side because this car's going towards him. And look at this. He goes up on his wheels yeah. in a semi truck with a flatbed. It's cool. I think it's a big deal that this dude stole my move. I mean, that's, that's my patented move right there. I don't know if he... That's not that cool. Is that, that skill or is that luck? <laughs> I think it's luck, dude. He didn't practice that. Surely he did. That was fantastic, He's got to stop doing Either way, no stuff. harm, no foul, I say. <laughs> no harm, no foul. Mad skills. Give that guy a, 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 a badge of honor for that one. All right, so here's a big deal, little deal for yeah. you, my friend. In Wisconsin, there's a family restaurant called the Omicron Family Restaurant. Oh. It's been around for a long time, man, and obviously for reasons they've got to embrace a new kind of fame, yeah. <laughs> right? Sure. And so they're doing it with a Corona shirt. Now, check this thing out. I got, I got Corona at Omicron. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> what do you think about that, man? I think, you know, it's sort of like when you are in school. If someone makes fun of you or gives you a nickname or you yeah. know that they can, you got to, like, get ahead of that stuff. You got to own that thing. So, obviously, if you're the, called the Omicron restaurant, you know that people are going to be making jokes about it. So, why not lead yeah. into it? It's sort of like that, uh, the Four Seasons. Remember when uh, Giuliani, he did that press conference at the wrong Four Seasons? Yes. <laughs> and then that Four Seasons, they started, you know, they can't, they're like, all right, well, we'll sell shirts now. It's a meme. It's a joke. Why not? <laughs> You know, let them get mad about it. Go make money off it. They're booking bands over there now. Yes, yes. Same thing. Bad situation comes in. Omicron family restaurant. I mean, 
you're, it could be devastating for business if you take it that way, or you can turn it into an opportunity and um, have a little fun with it. I mean, it could take a dark turn if Omicron gets bad, but, uh, you know, everyone out there, get your vaccines. Good stuff. And, hey, smart on them. We'll be back on Friday calling the Hawks. University of Arkansas is here. J.B. Hunt, Shelly Simpson. We'll be talking about our event that's coming up. Hey, find me on Twitter at Timothy Duner. Send us those ornaments. Find him, Vincent the Dude. Tell him how to be. Hey, peace and love, everyone. Spread it.